Welcome to the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. It's Indiana. Watford for the win! Yes! Yes! Unbelievable! Your daily home for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Welcome to Indiana basketball. Smart takes the shot! And the Hoosiers with three seconds. Go ahead. Indiana wins the championship. Keith Smart is the hero. When my time on earth is gone and my activities here are past, I want they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss my Now here's your host, Matt Dennison. It's Indiana, what I feel is the pinnacle, the absolute pinnacle of all of college basketball. Welcome in. Wednesday edition of the program. A lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, earlier this morning, I think as we all expected, Tom Crean and Georgia, it was announced our parting ways at the conclusion of this season. Victor Oladipo, an IU legend, he made his uh, return to the NBA last night. He's had a tough go of it as far as injuries go, but he was back in action last night, so we'll discuss that. And Maybe the most important news for IU fans today, especially for football fans, uh, it seems like a solid hire uh, to replace the late departure of Coach Hurd. Adam Henry is coming to IU football from the Dallas Cowboys as co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach for the Hoosiers. So a lot of stuff going on. And, of course, March Madness is underway. More conference tournaments underway last night. Um, what a fight in the Bryant-Wagner game. The the gym had to be cleared. Uh, fans, uh, there were fans, I think, on the floor. Uh, didn't see it live. Just saw some screenshots and photos from there. Uh, before the play could put, could resume, but just a wild start there. And there have been some good games so far. I think probably the biggest uh, March Madness headline for us here in Kentuckyana so far is the Bellarmine Knights winning the A-Sun Conference. And, of course, they can't go to the NCAA tournament. They're still in their NCAA probationary period as a new member to Division One athletics. So uh, that's unfortunate, but amazing to see. Uh, what Coach Davenport continues to accomplish at Bellarmine. And we've got a local guy there, Justin Betts of Providence. I mean, he's a starter. He's a, a key player, a big defensive player for the Knights, but a huge win for them yesterday at Freedom Hall. I couldn't go to the game. I saw some video and obviously followed it on the news, but unbelievable crowd at Freedom Hall. Really amazing crowd. I, I think all the lower-level seats available for the setup for these Bellarmine games was gone. The students were packed in behind the court. They bring in movable bleachers, which really kind of completes the, the circle, and I think uh, it creates a great backdrop for uh, the visitors to have to fight against behind their own basket. But just kudos to Bellarmine. Things are going really well there, and it's a shame they can't get into the tournament and see if they could be one of those upset specials. But I think at this point, based on what we know about the Knights and Coach Davenport and the long-term success of that program going back to the Division II National Championship with a number of local players on the roster, I, th I think that we all expect and really feel confident that when this probationary period is over with, that Bellarmine is at some point going to be a team that uh, makes it a run into the tournament, a couple rounds at least, and is kind of one of those upset specials that we seem to have great stories about each and every March. So that was really, really neat last night to see them win the conference tournament, albeit they can't continue on 
at least in the NCAA tournament. I sure hope the NIT picks them up. I'm sure that one of the postseason tournaments will. There's a few different options now, but I really hope they get in the, the second best one. The NIT would be really a, a great experience for Bellarmine. Who knows the way things are going. They could, they could end up playing Indiana uh, at this point. We'll find out more on the Hoosiers when they take on Michigan tomorrow. Let's take a look quickly at the show lineup, the service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one coming up here in just moments. Ryan Miller of Providence, the head coach of the Pioneers. He's going to join us to talk about his sectional championship last week and a big regional challenge coming up on Saturday as well. So stay with us for that. Later in the hour, Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times is with us to talk IU, Michigan, and the Big Ten Tournament, which begins tonight. And then later in the hour, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will talk more about the upcoming regionals. We've got so many local players as well. Uh, that are in the month of March playing basketball at different levels, and we'll try to catch up on some of that also uh, in our segment with Josh, presented each week by Major League Shirt Company. So stay with us for all of that here in this busy, busy hour today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Don't forget to check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and curbside service still available as well at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. And real quick, the Thornton's text line is open. Don't forget, 502-414-1450. Again, 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. And now that we've got all that out of the way, let's say hello to our first of three guests today, Ryan Miller, the coach of Providence. Coach, congrats on a great regular season. Congrats on a sectional championship. And now a big challenge for your ball club coming up to open up the uh, regional on Saturday at Southridge, Huntingburg, one of my favorite gymnasiums in the state. You guys will take on a very, very good Linton-Stockton team. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, thanks, Coach. Always great to uh, be on here with you. Appreciate it. Appreciate you having me. Um, yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, it's uh, it's going to be a huge challenge. They are a very very talented team. Um, you know, star player, a couple other really nice players, uh, a lot of size. You know, they go six five, six five, six three, six three, six three. Um, there's some, you know, going to be a challenge uh, in that regard as well. But uh, the fortunate thing uh, for us is that. We've seen you kind of at this point in time. You've seen it all, and to be in this area, you get to face uh, a lot of a lot of high caliber teams that we feel prepares you for the postseason. So let's go back first, coach, and talk about the sectional. Uh, tremendous week for your ball club. You uh, had a chance to beat Switzerland County handily on Friday, then move to the championship game against Southwestern. You and Southwestern from the get-go, people thought that there was a great likelihood you would meet in the championship game, and it worked out that way. And I was at Seymour, but following your game closely, uh, you guys led 26-14 at halftime and seemed, even though it had been tough in the regular season, there's been a rivalry between you two teams, seemed to take control of that game in the first half. Yeah, you know, it was uh, certainly uh, we did not expect uh, the game to necessarily go the way it did. Um, you know, we, we certainly were expecting a, a close matchup considering uh, the first time we faced off, it was a one point game, you know. Um, you know, I mean, ultimately, our, our guys, our, our guys just played really well. You know, um, I'm sure both teams were prepared and, you know, both teams know each other well. As you said, you know, a bit of a turn into a rival. This is the third year in a row that we've been in the same sectional together and the third year in a row that we faced off 
in the final game. Um, so, you know, Coach Newsbaum does does a really good job over there, and uh, he had his guys prepared and ready. Um, I think you know sometimes it just goes this way. You know, I think uh, last year was was uh, our team was prepared and ready, and they just played phenomenal. And uh, you know, the year before that, uh, we played great, and, and now we come to this year, and you know, sometimes it's just a matter of of uh, the boys being able to go out there and and put a great performance together. And fortunately for us, it was it was a night that our guys did. All right, coach. For you guys, second title in three years, and I meant the, I brought this up with Coach Sturgeon on Monday. Uh, obviously, one of those championships a few days ago, the other a few years ago, and it was a great Providence team. But you didn't really have the chance to play on because of the pandemic. I know this time around, it's excitement to see this team uh, get a chance to carry on and, and see how they can fare in the regional round. Oh yeah, for sure. Matt, um, heck, we we talked about that. Of course, your mind kind of goes back to that uh, time we were getting on the bus, you know, actually get, getting ready to load up and head out, you know. And then, and we, as as so many others, uh, kind of got got the word that it's it's off, it's over. Um, so you know, our, our boys certainly remember that. I heard them talking the other day, you know, amongst themselves, um, you know, just about how they want to you know, go out here and, and, and appreciate this and, and give it their best effort, you know, um, and, and, and part of that was thinking about the team from a couple years ago, you know, talking about those guys, how they didn't get that opportunity and they want to honor them by going out and, and, uh, you know, playing the hardest. Coach, you had a number of guys get named to the all-tournament team for the sectional over at Southwestern on Saturday night. Looking at the box score, Casey Kalen uh, led your club with 18. He had a really good sectional. But a number of players in double figures. Cade Carver had 11. Quentin Hesse had 12. Grant Williams had 14. Uh, Tyler Simmons, he was named to the all-tournament team, even though they only had a couple points, two baskets in that championship game. You've got a lot of guys lining up here that you can count on in the all-important postseason. These guys, in many cases, are experienced. Uh, they provided leadership over the course of this season as well. They've all had big scoring games at times. And it's really a Providence ball club with multiple weapons where you don't exactly know uh, where the uh, key score or the big plays might come from that game or that quarter. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's correct, Matt. Um, this team is very balanced, um, which is something that, that we – want um you know and and as you said you know casey you know is, is oftentimes you know our, our go-to guy um uh, but we have other guys who are more than capable of stepping up and uh you know being double figure scores on any given night you know i think a couple guys that weren't even mentioned there have been guys who have been our leading scores or among you know leading scores in in particular games you know and max Beatty and grant Seabold can put up some as well so uh yeah it's it's a good it's a good position to be in, um, knowing that we have, you know, a handful plus of guys, you know, six, seven plus guys that are capable of going for double figures on any given night. And, and we want them this time of year just being confident, knowing that uh, each guy's uh, ready to step up if, if it's his time. 
Coach Miller, Providence, my guest. The Pioneers will head to Southridge on Saturday and open against a good Linton-Stockton ball club. Coach, let's talk a little bit more about the regional. You mentioned right at the start of our conversation uh, the Linton team that you're going to play, that the challenge that they bring. But what a, what a good regional. And also, I, I know you're a traditional basketball guy that appreciates the history, the gyms, all the things that make our state great this time of year. And that Huntingburg facility, I think, is one of the greatest for postseason that we've got. Oh, there's no doubt about that. Um, that was part of, uh, of course, there are so many things going on two years ago, you know, at, at that point in time. But one of the things I really wanted for those boys was to be able to just experience it, you know. And you want to you wanna go over there and, and you want to show up and play your best ball and, and win. Um, but, but you also realize uh, – only one of the four teams gets to win, and uh, regardless, it's it's going to be a positive experience for those boys, and uh, that's something I wanted those boys two years ago, as you said, just to be able to experience that environment. It, you know, I remember, I want to say it was back in oh five oh six, um, the first time you know being there, um, you know, on the staff with Coach Lafave was the head coach, and my my younger my brother Keevan was on the team, and. Uh, it was like walking, it was like a time capsule, you know, you walked in that gym and it felt like you were stepping back, you know, decades ago, just true, you know, classic Hoosier hysteria basketball, you know, the, you know, playing uh, at the national anthem with the flag out on the floor and um, my Indiana home. I mean, it was, uh, it was uh, back home again in Indiana, rather um, that, that was just like, man, this is Good stuff, good stuff. Absolutely. Coach, I'm going to ask you to to brag on yourself and your team for a moment, and I know you're a very humble guy, so this may be hard for you, but just this week I was talking with a couple coaches that were complimenting uh, your ball club and the sectional championship, and you know they said, gosh, it, it, Providence is such a hard team to play against, and they're such a hard team to prepare for. And you know, as Linton Stockton and some of these other regional teams watch the Pioneers this week on film, they'll think they've got a game plan for them, but watching this team on film and playing against them and the little things they do and their physicality and just the, the attention to detail, it's just different. What do you think makes this Providence team uh, so difficult to play against and to draw those kind of compliments from other coaches? Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, those words from from those other coaches. I mean, I think certainly one thing I do appreciate about our area is there is a lot of uh, you know obviously high level competition around here. I think a lot of great coaching, but there's also a, a very healthy level of respect. I think amongst uh, several of these area coaches, and I think we all kind of make each other better. You know, I, I certainly learn from a lot of those guys. I, I learn from the guys on my coaching staff literally every day um, have such a great staff, but, but also going against these great coaches we have in our area, you know, just here in Floyd and, and Clark County. And then, and then some of our surrounding counties as well that we have on our schedule. It's great. And, uh, and I, I appreciate that. There's a, a lot of mutual respect there. Um, you know, I mean, as you said, attention to detail. I mean, it, it is interesting to hear other people talk about your team because we all, as you know, being a coach yourself, we look at our team through a certain lens, and it's usually a lens of, of how can we be better, you know, what what are our weaknesses and, and what do we need to do to improve. Um, you know, I mean, as you said, attention to detail. I, I mean, we try to keep things fairly simple, I guess, 
You know, we, we say we want to defend, we want to rebound, and we want to value the ball to get good shots. Uh, all that sounds obviously, you know, maybe oversimplified, but we never want to lose sight of those most basic things. And, um, you know, the other things we say, we, we want to play harder, we, we want to play smarter, and we want to play together. And we feel like if, if we're doing those things, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can accomplish those, but we want to make sure we never lose sight of any of those. And the other thing you talked about is just attention to detail, you know, in everything we do. You know, Coach Stimler, you know, because I was obviously I've I've got to learn from some great ones. Um, in, in Coach Lefebvre, you know, who, who obviously they're moving on at North Harrison, really excited for them. And as you talked about Coach Sturgeon, uh, who I was with Coach Sturge for five years, really excited for him and uh, their program as well. Um, you know, all, all those guys, you know, talked about attention to detail, and that's, you know, what I wanted to bring to, to this program. And Coach Stern would talk about, you know, being at IU with, with Kelvin Sampson, you know, it's it like touch every line. You know, even when you're just running, you know, you, you don't miss a line. And, and that's kind of that that type of thought process is what we, we attempt to apply to uh, all aspects of the game. All right, Ryan Miller, my guest. Ryan, you took the last question uh, right out of my mouth. I was going to mention Coach uh, Sturgeon at Floyd Central and Coach LaFay at Providence, two of the guys that you worked under and I know continue to have very close relationships with and can, would consider both of those guys in many ways uh, mentors and people you learned a lot from to help develop your own basketball coaching career. Uh, neat to see you three advance 4A, 3A, 2A from our local area and all get a chance on Saturday. And I think all three teams legitimately have chances to move through the regional and maybe on to the next round. That's got to be neat to, to, to do that together, to take this big step forward together, especially uh, for Coach LaFay. North Harrison has not been or not won a sectional since 1996. And yeah. we know the drought at Floyd Central that existed for so many years. And finally, a couple seasons ago, the same time you won a sectional with Providence, Coach Sturgeon gets one there. Then a few days later, there is no regional to advance to. That's right. Yeah, no, no, you're right. It's, it can be something where, uh, you know, some programs are fortunate to, to have a situation where, where they're just, you know, getting, getting sectionals, um, you know, often, but, but we, we all know that they, they are, they are hard to come by, um, you know, especially here in Indiana, Indiana high school basketball, those sectionals are tough to come by. So whenever you get one and then you see some of your buddies get one and, and it, it was something I did, you know, as soon as the game was over, I kind of asked, you know, Hey, how did, how did those games go? Um, so I, I was, it was great, you know, for me, you know, uh, as, as their friends and, and, you know, as someone who learned from them to, to see that success happen for, you know, all, all three of those coaches and, and their programs. So yeah, it's something you're always grateful for. Um, cause it's, it's tough to do. All right. Congratulations, coach, the pioneers, headed down to Southridge and Huntingburg for the regional on Saturday to take on Linton Stockton. Best of luck, and uh, we'll catch up with you again th soon. Thanks for coming on today. Thank you very much. All right, Ryan Miller, one of the good guys here in our area. And I do want to note for Providence fans, if you're going to be at that game, uh, Linton Stockton has had a tremendous year. There's no question about that. They've been a really good 2A program. Uh, coached by longtime coach Joey Hart in our state. Linton Stockton is 22-4. and four. And They've got a player named Joey Hart. It's the, He's the son of, of Coach Hart. And he's got a lot of Division One offers. I think maybe his biggest offer is Northwestern. At times, Indiana has watched him, has paid attention to him. But uh, he is a really good player. So you'll get a chance to see him 
up close and personal at Southridge on Saturday. But it's going to be a tough matchup for Providence, but I, I think the way they play and uh, what they've got to offer back can keep them in the game and can give them a chance to win that. It's going to be tough, but Providence with an opportunity. And really, whoever wins the Linton Stockton Providence game, you're going to face a good Forest Park team or a solid Paoli team in the championship. But I think the winner of that second semifinal, <clears throat> a noon tip off at Southridge, uh, would be the favorite to move on to the semi state, either at Seymour or Washington the following week. We'll head to a commercial break, come back and talk IU Michigan and the Big Ten tournament, which, by the way, a couple of the what I call play in games start later tonight at Gainbridge Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. And also, uh, speaking of high school basketball, last night in Louisville, the sixth region championship went to Jefferson Town. They defeated Doss in a really good game. And I bring that up because guess who one of Floyd Central's few losses is this season? Back on December 11th, I believe it was, in overtime, Floyd Central played at Jefferson Town the night after the New Albany rivalry game and lost in overtime 64-59 to J-Town. So that kind of underscores uh, how good this Floyd team is seeing J-Town beat them and now seeing J-Town be in the Sweet 16 in the state of Kentucky coming out of the sixth region in Louisville. So we'll head to a break. We're back with Dustin Dopirak of the Bloomington Herald Times. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. I'll handle this the way I want to handle it now that I'm here. You f***ed it up to begin with. Now just sit there or leave. I don't give a what you do. Now, back to the game. Here's Matt Dennison. And we're back here on this Wednesday program. Time to get into IU basketball. The Big Ten tournament begins later today. And, of course, tomorrow, in place of this show here on the Big X, we'll have Don Fisher calling the IU-Michigan 8-9 seed game to start the Hoosiers' play in the Big Ten tournament. And don't forget also the Thornton's text line is open if you've got a question or comment about the Hoosiers for Dustin Dopirak, our guest from the Bloomington Herald Times. You can send those in now. Dustin, welcome to the show. Uh, we finally made it to postseason basketball. It's been great to watch some of these other conferences tip off this week. And, of course, the women had uh, their opportunity, many of them, last week. And now we see the Big Ten begin tonight. And, of course, IU begin tomorrow. Uh, this is an IU team as we look at it. I think everybody pretty much in agreement that one win over Michigan gets IU back in the conversation and back on the bubble for NCAA tournament play. One could get this team in, but two would be an unbelievable mark uh, to secure the NCAA tournament. But Michigan and Illinois in back-to-back days, that seems like a tall challenge for anybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's it's two teams that uh, have beaten uh, they, they beat Indiana by 15 points or more. Uh, basically, two of their worst performances this season, uh, biggest margins of defeat, were against uh, Michigan and Illinois. Basically, Michigan, I think, is only one of three teams that scored 80 points against this team all year. So it, it is definitely one of the toughest challenges. Uh, basically, it's almost as bad of an opening, uh, like a uh, a bracket as you could ask for. Um, but, you know, it, it obviously would put them in a situation if they would win both of those games. Uh, it, w- it would be a pretty clear um, you know, statement basically that they belong uh, 
they belong in the tournament. Basically, they belong at least as part of the discussion. I mean, I, I don't even know that two is a stone-cold certainty. Um, and one, I think, just puts you in a position where everything has to go right for you. If they just beat Michigan, uh, I think they have to catch every single break uh, in the rest of the tournament. They've been lucky so far. There haven't been any like true bid stealers yet in the, in the small conference play. Um, you know, I think BYU probably played themselves out with their loss to San Francisco in the WCCC. Uh, but they're going to need some breaks when it comes to everything else as far as um, – you know, basically, they, they need nobody to, you know, get an extra bid in the Atlantic 10. They need the American Athletic Conference to go how they want, maybe a, a Houston-Memphis final or, or something else, maybe something that gets Memphis uh, on the wrong side of the level, which would be hard to do at this point. Uh, but they're going to need a lot of breaks, but it's, it, it comes down to when they've got to win basketball games and they've got to beat teams uh, that, that had their number in their two previous meetings so far this season. Dustin, you wrote a piece previewing the IU-Michigan game tomorrow, and I think it was Trace Jackson Davis, but the players seem to, to think that a reason that they got blown away in that game is that their minds just weren't in it. Uh, that was right mm-hmm. after the Purdue victory, if I remember correctly, when IU was victorious at Assembly Hall. Did, did, are they saying that played a factor in it, or what, what exactly uh, did you write in your preview story that people can read at IndyStar.com? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, they definitely said they. Were, I mean, Ray Thompson said you know, we were too high on ourselves. You know, we felt too good about ourselves, and we just didn't come in with the same kind of fire that you need to have. Uh, basically, at the time, Michigan didn't have a very good record. They, they just basically, Ray Thompson said, I think we were just feeling ourselves a little bit too much, and that's really what they've said since the beginning about that game. That, that basically, this was a case of, you know, there was a just big high after beating Purdue. It's only a couple of days later, and they had the whole court storming. Everything ended, a, you know, the big slump, and the fact this was, you know, the highest. Maybe at that point, I think one of the highest rated Purdue teams uh, that, that that had beaten them on the stretch, basically that they they were higher rated than almost anybody else that they'd lost to, um, and winning that game, you know, sort of felt like they'd arrived, and all of a sudden it was like, well, you still have to play a game after that, um, and they played a Michigan team that's really really talented, but had not been very good up until that point. Um, so they went into that one thinking, oh, well, we're going to get this one. Obviously, we're the team just beat Purdue. We're going to be fine. And they did not realize they could get their doors blown off. And they were down 20, 29, 13 uh, by about the eight-minute mark of the first half. And it was just like, what what happened here? Um, so that, I think, is when they look back and they watch the film, they, they see a team that wasn't all there. And their belief is that they're better than that. Um, basically, that, that that team is... is you know, it was an anomaly. That was a one-time thing. And, and, you know, you obviously look at the numbers and it was their worst performance. If, if you really dig into the statistics, I mean, from an efficiency standpoint, Michigan was more efficient than any other Indiana opponent this season. I think they're the only team that scored 1.2 points for possession uh, against Indiana in a, in a whole game this year. Um, so they definitely think that played a part, and they definitely look at it and say, you know, we're, we're not this bad. We wouldn't do this again uh, if it came out. And, and that's probably true. Um, but even so, that doesn't mean, you know, Michigan is still, you know, Michigan is, is can, can really be uh, pretty prolific, obviously. And I think they're, they're top 20 uh, nationally in offensive efficiency. Um, and they've had some games, I mean, they've obviously had some games when they haven't been as good, um, but they blew Purdue out the same way. It's just, you know, when, when Dickinson's on, they can pile up three-point shots around them. They're really, really tough to beat. All right, Dustin, I think within reason, uh, we know what we're going to get with Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson. It's been the perimeter. It's been the guards that have been you know, so confusing and so up and down this season. Xavier Johnson recently has had some big moments for IU. He's been one of the standouts here at the close of the season. And if somebody asks me one key for a win over Michigan tomorrow, I think Xavier Johnson, as far as a player goes, might be my answer. 
Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, he he's really, I think, I mean, I wrote it in the feature piece I wrote about him, is that, that he's their most important variable. Is that, again, you know, you, you mostly know what you're going to get out of Trace Jackson Davis. Obviously, he can have some down games against some tough matchups, but generally he's going to score some points and get some rebounds for you. Uh, you know, Ray Thompson is one of the steadiest players, I think, in the league. But Johnson, obviously, the, the uh, difference between when he's good and when he's bad is pretty drastic. Uh, and he's been he's been extraordinary, really, the last uh, couple weeks. I mean, really, the last four games, I think he's averaging uh, just a couple ticks under 20 points a game, and he's at seven assists, and he's only at about two and a half turnovers. Uh, so that's that's it's just been really impressive to see him uh, find you know really find himself. I mean, I, I think the the thing about Johnson is is he's got so much speed, he's got so much explosion, and sometimes he kind of just relies on that and just goes bullheaded at the rim and and just. That, you know, just it, it, you know, it's, it's damn the torpedoes with him. Um, but when he's good, when he's really good, he's able to play with a lot of speed and a lot of pace and take advantage when he has the opportunities. But also when he's in a half court setting, to kind of slow down just enough so he can think uh, and just enough so he can see the floor and sort of see what's out there. And you really made him, I think, see, see, really seen him make really smart decisions with passes. Done a really good job of setting guys up done a good job of finding shooters, playing well in the pick and roll. Uh, but I think also when he slows down just a touch, it makes him a better shooter. Uh, you know, basically gets his feet under him, and that helps both when he's trying to finish at the rim and when he's pulling up, whether that's from three uh, or in the mid-range. I mean, basically, I mean, Indiana hasn't had a guy that you could say is a three-level scorer all year, but really for the last four games, though, Xavier Johnson has been a three-level scorer. He's been a guy that, you know, when he's coming off the pick and roll and, you know, he sees a big dropping and he doesn't want to go at him at the rim, um, but he certainly doesn't want to step back and pull back. He can hit that sort of ten to that ten to fifteen foot jumper. That really what hasn't been in his bag all year. Um, and it basically, I think he's shooting sub thirty percent uh, as far as two point jumpers are concerned. But they're starting to go down, and, and they really were important, I think, for him against Purdue. Uh, and, and just basically, he, he's when when he's got that combination of this, this the athleticism and the speed that he has, but he's also thinking the game well. Uh, I mean, he's he's dynamic. I mean, he you know he he's been playing like an All Big Ten level player the last couple of games. He's a three level scorer in in that case, and he's making smart decisions, getting assists, not turning the ball over. When you get that player, uh, he's one of the toughest players to guard in the league. And so you know that that's kind of what it, it's almost like they've just they've added you know a, an All Big Ten player over the last couple of weeks, and that makes them a a, a different team offensively uh, coming into this Big Ten tournament. Dustin Dopierak, he's with the Bloomington Herald-Times, and he joins our radio show here on Wednesdays. Um, if Indiana does not win on Thursday, or if they do win and then lose to Illinois, no matter what happens, if they don't make the NCAA tournament, um, I'm assuming this team has no reason not to accept a bid to the NIT, and I'm assuming that uh, based on uh, there's even a guy out there that does NIT bracketology. In fact, as of a week ago, I think he had the Hoosiers as one of the four number one seeds in the tournament. I'm not sure if that still holds true or not, but I'm assuming that this team would play in the NIT to get some additional games. I mentioned earlier in the week to somebody, I think, on the show that someone had told me if the IU women uh, get home games for NCAA tournament games and some of the early women's games are played on home campus sites that may keep IU for playing from playing uh, hosting some NIT games in Bloomington, which is a high seed. They would typically get the opportunity to do so. But I'm assuming you have no reason to believe. I know Coach Woodson has said he does not want to address it yet, but you have no reason to believe this Indiana team wouldn't play in the postseason even if they had to play on the road just to get some more games and get some more experience in year one for Mike Woodson? No, not at all. I mean, I don't know when, when the first conflict would arise. Uh, 
um, as far as being able to have him to play on the road. Um, I think, you know, usually the first games, the Tuesdays went, or like Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, of the first week, you know, maybe the second game might be a conflict, but I think there's a good chance they'd be able to pull it off because obviously the women's tournament tends to start a little bit later. So you might be able to squeeze two games in, uh, at home before they'd have to go on the road, uh, or they might, I think they can get around it is basically what I'm trying to say is that, that there's going to be space, uh, for them to be able to play home games. And, and it's really the first three. Um, I know, I'm pretty sure I'm almost certain that third game is always in the clear. Basically that it's usually between uh, that it's between tournament weeks. So I, I think they should be in good shape um, as far as that's concerned, as far as being able to get those games. I think Indiana has expressed that it is willing to try basically that, that it is interested in, in hosting games um, and that it will, you know, look for ways that, you know, and, and then the NIT has some level of, of movability, uh, basically. I mean, it's, it's not set in stone in the same way the NCAA tournament is. I mean, you, you can't push it too far to be able to keep the tournament on track. Um, but obviously it's not like there's, you know, like where the NCAA tournament is sort of like, there's like hallowed weekends that you don't touch. Uh, the NIT is more, you know, willing to move to, to, I think, accommodate to make sure that teams that should be hosting are hosting if they can. Um, so I think that's going to be, I, I think they'll be able to work that out. But I certainly don't think there's any reason for them not to play. I mean, you remember, you're still talking about a first-year coach. Um, and as much as this is, I think, you know, going to the NIT is, I think, is a disappointment. Uh, it's not the same as, you know, situations where you have a guy who's toward the end of uh, his contract and you don't know if he's going to make it or not. Um, and, you know, that it might be the last games they play and you don't want them there to get booed or anything like that. Uh, it's not like that, obviously. I, I think Indiana fans will, will show up reasonably well for this the same way they did I think the the Archie NIT from 2018-19 I don't think this, this is going to be a whole lot different uh than that if they were to go into this event I mean certainly the guys that are veterans are going to be disappointed but um you know it, it gets them more games together it, you know you and probably a lot of these guys are going to be back next year um and you know they can use the experience again they're going to be disappointed they're going to be bummed out but if they can get past that uh, and accomplish something in the NIT. I mean, you've seen teams win the NIT and turn that into an NCAA tournament berth the next year. Um, so if, if they could turn it into, you know, just look at it as something to build off of, um, you know, then, then I think it, it can really help them. And I can't imagine Indiana would pass up on that opportunity. All right, final thing for you, Dustin. Yesterday, uh, Trace Jackson Davis received some Big Ten awards. He was second team uh, All-Big Ten and then also on the All-Big Ten defensive team as well. And he was asked about those awards yesterday in a media availability, and, and he, you know, he, he downplayed them. It's all about the team. It's about trying to get to the NCAA tournament. Those were his answers. But definitely uh, uh, some awards after a big senior season. I don't want to say senior season because we, we don't necessarily know, but a, a big uh, maybe final season for Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, mean, I think he was a little bit uh, – it was awkward because, you know, uh, the uh, J.D. Campbell, the SID, actually asked about being all defensive team and said we couldn't tweet about it until one o'clock. Um, but we already knew about it because it was on TV. You know, basically they were doing that show and they were doing the release later uh, on the you know doing the show on the Big Ten Network. Uh, but I thought he he did kind of um, beam a little bit when asked about defensive team, and I wasn't surprised about that um, because I think 
I think that mattered to him because he's playing different defense than he did a year ago. Basically, he's been allowed to be a rim protector. Uh, basically, in, in under Archie's defensive system, under you know, basically in the pack line, it was don't leave your man, uh, don't leave your man to go try to block shots. You know, help defense is one thing, but don't leave your guy uh, the five man because you know you, you can get beat that way. You can give up a layup that way. Uh, but Mike Woodson, you know, and and it's just different ways of, of looking at it, different philosophies. No one's right or wrong necessarily, but. Um, Mike Woodson kind of allowing Trace Jackson Davis to get off of his guy and go attack someone who's trying to drive at the, drive at the, uh, at the rim and block a shot uh, has turned him into one of the best rim protectors in the league. He's second in the league and blocked shots behind E.J. Liddell, who's had a phenomenal defensive season and was a teammate with him on the all-defensive team. Um, but that, that, I think, was a big deal to him. I think he, he really expressed some pride in that piece of being able to do it. He said that was something I always knew I could do. It was something I did a lot in high school. I just wasn't able to do it the first two years here. Um, you know, and it means a lot to be a guy, you know, because it's been a while since Indiana has somebody on the defensive team. I don't know how long it's been. I know uh, Victor Oladipo was on it, but I, I don't know that they've had anybody since then. Um, and obviously that's, I think, there would be if, if, if he is, and I, I'd have to look it up, but if he's the first guy since Victor to be all, all defensive team in Indiana, you know, that's, that's a nice, uh, you know, a, a pretty nice, you know, accomplishment to have. So that one, I think he was really proud of. Um, I, you know, he, he really expressed that. I think that stood out to him. He's obviously more about the team, but I think it, um, and obviously it speaks well to the team that he's on the all defensive team because, you know, he is the guy with the best stats, uh, out of a team that that's one of the best, if it's not the best in terms of, terms of adjusted efficiency, adjusted efficiency in the big 10. Um, you know, if, if, you know, Indiana is obviously going to be disappointed by a lot of things by this season, especially they don't make the tournament. Uh, but their defensive improvement, I think, is something they're going to be able to look back on and be really proud of and say that that's something they can build on going forward. All right, uh, real quick from the Thornton's text line. Texter writes, Dustin, what do you think the chances are of X talking about Xavier Johnson coming back next year? I, I know, Dustin, probably early. Uh, for these kind of conversations, but I wanted to get that question. Any any, any early thoughts on uh, X or maybe others on the roster as far as returning for next season? Yeah, I mean, there's obviously just so many moving parts, and it's tough because somebody's got to leave. Uh, that's the unfortunate part about the whole thing is in order to get the three guys that they have committed, they've got to find a way to clear out three roster spots. But, I mean, I think you know if you're just looking at Xavier Johnson's motivation in and of itself, I, I don't see any reason for him not to come back. I mean, I think he obviously is a guy who is, is very interested in playing in the NBA and, and, and going pro and whatnot. Um, and, you know, right now, if, if, if you let him out there, he's, he's not going. You know, he's not going to be there. There's too many uh, knocks against him, and he hasn't been consistent for long enough. But, you know, you really look at what he's been doing down the stretch, and, and you know, it, it is conceivable that you can keep building that into an NBA point guard. He's got, he, he's got speed of that caliber. Uh, you know, he's got some physical tools of that caliber. He's just been way too high risk, uh, for too long. But if, if he becomes a guy who can play more under control, if you see the player that you've seen the last four games for an entire season, that gives him a crack at it. And, you know, I, he's really a guy really since his freshman year when we, he was on the all ACC team, ACC freshman team with Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett and Colby white. And, uh, and Trey Jones, he really looked at himself and said, man, that's the NBA is something that I can strive for. And it hasn't gone the way it's supposed to go the last couple of seasons. Obviously, you know, he had a down year as a sophomore and then, uh, you know, COVID happens. And also he had something go wrong at Pitt. You know, he won't talk about it. Pitt won't talk about it. Uh, but, you know, 
leaving to the point where he he was basically let out of his scholarship early uh, and put in the portal before the season ended as a junior. Um, so none of that is spoken well for him. But you know he comes he has a better senior season uh, so far in Indiana. He's got one more crack at it. And I think he looks at um, what Mike Woodson's done for him so far and, and sees a path. Um, to you know, either whether it's the NBA or, or the G League or whatever, or just having a good chance to be a professional. Um, it, it, sticking around another year for Mike Woodson is probably his best bet. I, I think it'd be really be surprising for me if he didn't stay. Uh, you know, he certainly didn't take part in Senior Day festivities. You don't know what that means. Obviously, Ray Thompson has even said there's a chance that he goes back in six years, even though he did give the speech. Um, so, I, I mean, I would lean towards he stays. I, I don't see. Uh, a smart transfer option for him, I, you know. In, in, I mean, like he could go pick someplace else, but I, mean, I think he's starting to figure out Woodson's offense, what Woodson wants, and I think he's starting to see what it can do for him. Um, so, I, just from a purely, you know, selfish perspective on Johnson's part, I, I don't know what would make more sense for him than to stick around another year uh, in Mike Woodson's offense. All right, Dustin, great stuff. Thanks for covering a lot of ground on IU. Of course, big game coming up tomorrow, Indiana and Michigan. The Big Ten tournament gets underway tonight with some of the first-round games. I call them play-in games. That's probably incorrect. But uh, thanks for the chat today, and uh, we'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, man. All right. We will head to a commercial break and come back with our final segment of the day. Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, will talk some high school basketball, regionals coming up this weekend, and we've got lots of hoops connections here in March to Southern Indiana, uh, playing at different levels and looking for success here as postseason basketball gets underway really across all levels of the sport. We'll head to a commercial break back with uh, Josh Cook. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective. Let's win for Coach, who got us here. Here's Matt Dennison. Back on this Wednesday program, Josh Cook, sports editor of the News and Tribune, with me for a quick segment on local sports. This segment brought to you by Major League Shirt Company. They offer custom apparel to meet all of your needs, including T-shirts, uniforms, corporate wear, and promotional items. Let Major League Shirt Company outfit your team or organization today. Visit mlshirtco.com to find out more. That's mlshirtco.com to find out more. Josh, we've got some great hoops coming up this week. Ryan Miller of Providence was with us a little earlier in the hour. Todd Sturgeon of the Highlanders with us earlier in the week. Of our local teams, Floyd, North Harrison, we'll include them here, Providence, and Borden, who do you think has the best chance to win a regional championship on Saturday and move to a Final Four semi-state appearance in their respective class? Uh, pro- probably Floyd, I would say, just because uh, you know it seems like they've got a, a very winnable first round or semifinal game, excuse me, against Franklin. Although you know you you can't really underestimate anybody at this point, but still, uh, I like their chances against Franklin, and then. Uh, getting a rematch against Bloomington North would be uh, would be a uh, I think it would be a very good game, but I think Floyd could could come out on top. Uh, you know that that being said, I, I think all of the other local teams 
you know, have a have a decent shot to to if not at least make the championship, maybe you know, a surprise and win the region. Yeah, I agree. I think our local teams have some challenges, whether it's a morning game or a night game. There, but all have an opportunity to to be successful. But Floyd and Providence, I think specifically, maybe even North Harrison. I I, I think behind Floyd, I'd, I'd have trouble deci- deciphering who I would give the second best chance to between maybe yeah. Providence or North Harrison. Josh Cook is my guest talking local sports. We were treated to some great basketball last week as well. Josh, any surprises? Anything? Whether it was a team, a coach, a player. Looking back on sectional week, any any surprises you'll take from that week? Um, just well, I mean, maybe a couple things. Just you know, Floyd Central's resilience, I guess. Uh, you know, winning that winning that first game against Jennings County in, in double overtime, and then you know, taking care of business the rest of the way. That was that was very impressive. Um, as far as as Providence goes, you know, just the. Uh, the impressive fashion in which they won uh, the sectional, you know, winning both of their, um, winning their games fairly, you know, fairly handily. That was, that was an impressive performance by the pioneers. So, um, you know, we'll see if they can keep that momentum going. And, um, you know, in, in class, A, it just, uh, you know, Borden, <laughs> Borden's ability to pull out two close games, you know, they played, Rock Creek on Friday night in the semifinals, very competitive, very close game. And then um, Saturday night in the final, just, uh, you know, their their uh, their ability to rally. You know, we, what was a really uh, a good game, it was back and forth the whole way. And they were down seven, uh, you know, midway through the fourth and came back and won the game. So that was just real impressive. Their, uh, their stick-to-itiveness, is that what Clark Kellogg says? I like that word that he uses, but just, just their ability to, to rally and come back like they did was impressive to me. All right, Josh Cook, uh, sports editor of the News and Tribune. Josh, I uh, want to ask you about uh, Bellarmine and the Knights and Justin Betts and Freedom Hall and uh, things that just make you feel good in the month of March. I think you were at the game last night. You had a really good piece on uh, Justin Betts and what he did yesterday to help uh, Bellarmine win a conference championship. It was almost kind of like a throwback in time to see Freedom Hall being used for basketball at this time of the year, and then to see—I know it wasn't a, a U of L crowd, but a number, a number of people there—a good, good crowd for that game yesterday in a really good environment with the students and just so many fans there for a conference championship game. I saw it was the second most uh, attendance record in the conference A Sun Conference tournament uh, history. Uh, so that that also a good mark, but a really good conclusion at least of conference play for Justin Betts and Bellerman. We're still hoping that even though they're not eligible for the NCAA tournament, which is a whole nother discussion, that Bellerman gets picked up by the NIT or, or someone for postseason. Yeah, yeah, surely they will. You know, as far as that goes. But yeah, just. Uh... Just a, just a great effort by Bellerin, um and just a great great environment and you know it was um, it was just a very impressive performance by the Knights you know uh, they uh, you know I think that was their twentieth victory this season just it's just it's just crazy what they've been able to do in in two short years in uh, NCAA Division One and yeah I mean I think they should uh, that'd be great if they could definitely somehow. Uh, get some sort of waiver and make it to the NCAA tournament. I don't think that's going to happen, but still, you know, it's just, 
that's great for you know Justin Betts and, and Jalen Fairman and was on the bench last night too from Jeff. So you know it's just great to see two two uh, two local kids and 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 um, you know have have success and, and playing for uh, you know just just a great a great coach and what I think is a you know a great great university. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it or not either, but. There was that video of Scott Davenport going to the bar after the game and yes. finding everybody around. Yes. That was yes. just that was just yes. outstanding. I mean, you're not going to see any other any other coaches do that so with that with the A Sun Trophy uh, as decoration yeah. on the bar. Yeah. So. That, was, that was just that was just great to see and outstanding. And I, I love to see that. You know, you're not going to see uh, Rick Pitino or somebody else do that. So that was I love that. That no was qu- awesome. No question, Josh Cook. Thank you, Josh. He's the sports editor of the News and Tribune. And that's going to wrap up this Wednesday edition of the program. Reminder, no show tomorrow. We've got IU and Michigan back Friday, though. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.